At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. We did it. We time-traveled to yesterday. Wait, Progressive covers us 24-7, but we just created an eight-day week, and it's 24-7 coverage, not 24-8. We gotta go back. Are you joking right now? Shh, I'm calling them. Hi, I have a question about time travel. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Three, two, one. Never has there been a better time to be alive in human history. If you're not feeling it, you must discover why. Join Matthew Bolton in developing and applying a framework of objective optimism toward a flourishing life of meaning, health, and happiness. Here's your host, Matthew Bolton. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mr. Brightside. I'm Matthew Bolton. Today's show is discussing SARS-CoV-2 and the current pandemic. And I've been participating in many conversations over the past several weeks on various social media with various people. And I've, uh, most of them amiable, I might say. And I've uh, been kind of putting on a perspective um, and refining it as I deal with challenges as well as um, offering a lot of what Korea looks like where I live, and that's been very helpful. And I just kind of thought, I just want to, you know, I have a podcast. I can put it all out there in one blow and just see um, it might be something that people might use to share and and to that if it might speak for them to the extent it does, um, at least certain parts of it and certain aspects. And as not to let it get too much off track, I thought, I've got a lot here and I don't want to forget any parts of what I've been thinking about. So I've invited my friend Jason Cresswell to come on and uh, essentially interview me and kind of uh, keep me focused and keep keep the, the, the conversation on the rails, as it were. And it turned out we had quite a very good conversation, as I think, and I think there's lots of value in here for people. So... If uh, we, we deal with such issues as the economy versus lives and what does that mean and is that a good way to think about it, um, we, I talk about asymptomatic uh, carriers and, and how should we think and deal, deal, deal with that. Uh, what is going on in Korea? I think this is a very key, key part that what does it actually look like in Korea? What has been going on? Because I think in my experience of talking to people, they're mostly surprised when I tell them the kind of things that are going on here because their impression is something – much different than what it actually looks like here. So there's a lot of that. And then uh, the the issue of masks, again, it's just a way more about framework than it is about anything to do with si- like me telling anybody about science. That's not what I'm here doing. I'm here judging, you know, helping myself and maybe offering some guidance on how we might consume all the different opinions and expert opinions that we hear and how we can best protect ourselves on the individual level and what we might advocate for societally. So I, I think it's a very rich conversation and I really hope you enjoy it. So we'll just get right into it uh, now. See you then. All right. And here we are now. As I said, we I've invited Jason in to help out. So uh, welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you very much. Good morning. Yeah, I appreciate you helping us out. So I guess... As this is going to go, why don't you just uh, take off and, and lead me as you will? I will lead you as I will. So let's jump into it uh, with the topic of the economy versus lives. So you mentioned there's some differentiation between economy and lives. So can you give me a little bit about what you mean there? Yeah, well, I think that a lot of people, I think this framed the wrong way when we think about it in terms of economy and lives. And I even think that the way we conceive of economy and the way we conceive of lives is a little, uh, is obviously distorted and that makes it hard to think about everything. So I think if we can sort out what these concepts mean and frame it the right way, we can think about everything we talk about today and everything that comes up about this issue more clearly. So the economy, first of all, is not an entity you know, that which supports people or something. Um, what is an economy? An economy is a name that we use to describe a process. And it describes the choices and actions of individual people. And then these, it's the sum of these choices and actions, which is what we might call an economy. So we can think of economic activity at the individual level. So we're all trying to take actions that effectively maximize our own profit, if you will. So we are, we're trying to expend the least amount of resources and get the maximum return in every aspect of what we're trying to do. So we're trying to pursue economy. 
right? And um, to the extent we do that to the, is the extent to which we flourish and do better. So we're trying to pursue optimal nutrition. I'm trying to buy the best, cleanest, safest food for myself and my kids if I had them. Um, you're trying to pursue a safer, better car, better house, better career. You're trying to be, be as economical as possible to, as I said, expend the least amount and get the most back. And to the extent you do that, you might say that your personal economy is good or bad. And then we can do better by trading with other people who are also doing this. And to the extent people are doing it well, and they are also profiting, and then we can trade with them and we can do even better with cooperation. And then at this level, we might call this an economy. So it's like a local economy and it can expand as far out to the country. So at the end, um, economic activity is just human action, right? So, um, and we, we may say that an economy is doing well or not well to the extent that at the overall standard of living in that geographical area in that economy is doing better. And that just means that if we say an economy is doing well, we're saying that people in this area are all making their lives better, longer, more prosperous, et cetera. So people are enhancing their lives. That's what it means to have a good economy. That's the economy. It's people pursuing their lives. So now people understand this on some level, right? But then they go and switch its meaning when they think about this kind of this kind of uh, alternative. So they might think of it as, uh, they might use it as a euphemism for the rich or something. And then it becomes the, you know, the economy and rich and greed versus people's lives, real lives. And that's how we kind of think about it um, when we, when we use this thing. But, and I also want to take a side note here that when we talk about the rich, if we're talking about, if we're on social media talking about these issues and if we're talking about, oh, I, I might have more time to watch Netflix and I'm lucky I can work from home and all these things, we, you're, we are the rich who are saying that. We're very rich. And, um, and it's kind of embarrassing to talk in terms of economy versus lives in this way. Um, but properly imagined, as I said, with the proper concept of what is an economy – then we can see that this is a major false alternative. And, and a couple of weeks ago, I had that show on false choice thinking. Um, it can't be the economy versus our lives because it, economic activity is life. And, and let's also say that we also owe our ability to deal with this pandemic because of our strong economy. So it's that most people can, again, work remotely. We can be productive. We can trade. We can seek information. We have all the testing, the medical treatment. Um, what else What else have I got? Uh, provide food, right? We can still have access to food and goods, services with good transportation, all remotely, all by staying at home. And on top of that, more is that we even have time to deal with such a thing as a virus, right? We, we can understand and be more prepared. Like people compare this a lot to the 1918 pandemic. At that time, they didn't even know what a virus was. They were only able to infer that there was something smaller than a bacteria, but they couldn't see it. So that's what they were dealing with at that time. We're dealing with much more than that. Do you have? So, yeah. So you're, you're, you're basically talking about the idea that people now are saying like, you can have one or the other. If you want to save lives, you have to sacrifice the economy. And if you want if you go with if you won't go with opening the opening things up, then that means you're choosing to sacrifice lives. But you're saying it's not that either or choice. It's not that either or. No, and in fact, well, I'm saying they're one and the same. To pursue life is to pursue economy, right? So, so you can't pit it against life. It is life. So that's that's even more against all of uh, nature, against all of nature, against the dangerous climate, heat, floods, storms. Uh, you know, uh, droughts, etc., um, and, and viruses, we need to have a strong economy to shelter ourselves from these things, to, to deal with these natural threats. So again, to, to pit the economy versus lives is just a complete evasion of what economy is and what life requires. So, and, and as far as framing the thing, this brings us to the main point too, to set us up for everything else we're going to talk about. We have to look at what is our standard of what we're trying to achieve. So if this is a false alternative, what are we trying to achieve? And of course, on this show, we're always talking about human flourishing. And I think it is an objective, proper standard to pursue, to maximize or optimize human flourishing. Um, so a new virus comes along and then we say, we, we say, well, it's, our goal must be to eliminate the virus. Now, okay, now put that against human flourishing. If it's eliminate the virus, well, what might you do? I guess you could 
kill everybody in the world. I mean, now that nobody's proposing that, but that's what you would do if that you're focused on that goal. And if you dial it da- back a bit, it's, well, at least we'll prevent people from moving and try to snuff this thing out, etc. And this is how a lot of people think. It's like zero cases is what we're trying to get to. Mm. And that's our goal. That's our exclusive goal. But instead, if you're about optimizing human flourishing, you can see that, um, that, that we, we are, we, that's part of what we want to achieve, right? We, we have a new thing to deal with, but it's, it's among many factors that we have to deal with. And we have to never discount that, that this stagnation is regression and it leads ultimately to death. It's not healthy, right? So people understand that poverty is correlated with bad health, right? So you don't make people healthy by making them poor, you right. see? So, and, and we've been, we've been making people unhealthy and, you know, and unsafe in the name of health and safety because of this poor alternative. So that's about that. So, so let's get a little bit uh, deeper into the trenches and uh, asymptomatic carriers. So this is kind of one of the big justifications for the lockdown. So mm, what are your uh, thoughts on the idea of asymptomatic carriers being a reason for strong lockdowns? Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm going to tell you, well, first of all, I'll say that it was about flattening the curve in the beginning and not overwhelming hospitals. And that made sense to a lot of people and even me. And we did kind of, people did hold back, including here in Korea where we were never locked down, but people just on their own took some time back because they thought we don't want to overwhelm our system, et cetera. And we want to, we'd want to figure this out in the first place. So that made sense. And then, but then after people started to see examples like Korea, where we were not locked down and started to kind of feel like, and especially the, let, let's say too, the, the, the first stratosphere, let's say of the, of um, the, if we're kind of the depth of wealth. So these would be the poorest people were feeling the strain first. So they're after two weeks, they're like, some people were already wiped out and destroyed. Some restaurants here never recovered. They're gone forever. And, and then they kind of felt like, let's start, kind of moving a bit. And certainly in Korea, people did right away. And people could kind of start to see, okay, we've done well with that. And people are still being cautious to the extent they can. And overall, we're, we're kind of progressing gradually in a, in a good way. But then it was like, well, we need lockdowns because people are irrational and they're just going to be irresponsible and go out and just be like, woo, we're done with that, with flattening the curve. Let's go out and be all willy nilly or something and endanger everybody, which we kind of saw that wasn't true as you see again, examples of Korea. And, and I, and I'm going to make sure you ask me about Korea. Yeah, this is why we yeah. got you here. Um, keep me, uh, keep me focused here. Mm-hmm. But the, um, but we were never locked down and people can see that kind of thing. And then you go, well, then I still feel a little scared. So I want to have some reason. So it's asymptomatic carriers. And I even have to admit that I was taken aback for a couple seconds by that. Like, yeah, I was starting to feel pretty confident about things and going about, but like, how do I know, you know, cause I can protect myself against certain mm-hmm. things that are, you know, sick people, et cetera. But then I thought, well, okay, what if maybe I'm an asymptomatic and I'm going to endanger somebody that I'm like some of my students that are here or something. Um, and I, how would I feel about that? And plus I'm dealing with people that I feel comfortable going to, we all seem healthy, but yet what, what, what if that comes? But then I thought about it for two more seconds. And then I discovered that, that, I think of it in a, in a different way. So I'm going to go to an analogy and I've been out on social media talking about these things with a few people. So I've kind of been seeing what's going on out there. And this is kind of the result of all my thinking, I guess is what today is. And, and I've used this analogy a couple of times and people take it uh, pretty well, but then also people don't like it because they're comparing numbers and all that, but it's not about the numbers. It's about the principle. And I've used traffic accidents as an analogy and you can think about people who are reckless out there who are just kind of sick and going out and don't care and hawking on every, in everybody's face and whatnot, like that kind of person. This could be akin to a drunk driver, um, someone texting while driving, a little lesser uh, recklessness, other reckless driving behavior. And then I put asymptomatic people as more somebody who falls asleep at the wheel or somebody who is otherwise just makes a, a, miss, a, miss, a misstep or an accident, bad judgment on the road, which happens. And causes fatalities, if not injury, if not uh, injuries, at least, and then sometimes fatalities. So you put all this together and you've got a, a similar analogy. Now, traffic accidents, I don't know what they are in Korea. And I don't even get, I didn't get the numbers up for this because I don't care. They're irrelevant, but it is somewhere large. Let's imagine like in the States, it's in the tens of thousands in Korea. You can imagine we've, we've drive here. I mean, mm-hmm. people are 
I mean, Canadians would think that Koreans are reckless in general. Okay? Mm-hmm. And you're going to think there are a high number of fatalities. So it's in the tens of thousands. So certainly, if we have the same thing, we're going we're gonna to eliminate traffic fatalities. What are we going to do? Well, I got an idea. Why doesn't it happen? Nobody drive until we somehow work out some system that it's guaranteed that nobody's, you know, like there's just people are on rails or something and you can't make any bad decisions. Like that's what we're going to do. We're going to wait for that before we move. Now, of course, nobody, everybody understands on some level that no, it's a great boon to our life to be able to drive. We have to go out on the road. And because we've internalized this risk, then we have, it, the, 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 the risk to us is effectively zero. It's not zero. Tens of thousands of people will die, but it's effectively zero. I don't think twice when I go out driving. I just go. I just go to work. Like, I don't think about it yet. And now what's the burden, though? The burden of protection is on myself. I am aware that there are people who are out there who are going to be reckless. I am aware that there are people who are going to make mistakes driving. I have to be careful. And I can't just go out and, and uh, you know, I don't just drive my car and go, well, I'm – I'm guaranteed to be safe because uh, the laws are going to protect me or something. I go out and it's a red light. You know, the, the guy turns, if I'm a pedestrian, the guy turns green. I don't just walk out with my phone and do like that. I take a look, just make sure nobody's coming. I go, right? I'm in my car, it turns green. I take a look down the road and I pull out. So again, it's still on me. And then if I'm driving and I see somebody coming who looks a little bit whatever or over on the leather lane, I'm like, that guy looks a little suspicious. I don't like that. I'm going to stay away. I'm going to protect myself. And I'm still, I still might get wiped out. It still might be someone just comes right through and crashes through my life and wipes, kills me. But I'm still not thinking about it in, at all when I go out, when I go out in my life, right? And it, because it's effectively zero to me. And I think the similar thing can be said here. Progressive presents Married to Your Home. I'm disgusting. Oh, house, don't say that. You could live someplace so much better than me. That's not true. Oh, yeah? Look at these uneven stairs. Gross. House, you know I don't care. Ugh, and the squeaky door hinge. I think it's cute. No matter how much you already love your house, you'll love it more knowing you could save big bundling your home and auto with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Where the only reason we're, we're demanding this irrational threshold of zero before we move and all that. And we're scared more is because it's new, but we haven't mm-hmm. had time to internalize the risk yet. And so I see the asymptomatic as nothing. It's still up to me to practice just not necessarily, you know, I'm not making out with everybody and, you know, again, sneezing on place. And if I see that, I'm not like, I'm going to be aware that guy's sneezed. I'm going to go wash my hands. I'm not touching my face until etc. cetera, et cetera. Um, but that's kind of how I've thought about that kind of thing. Um, and, and how do you prevent, like, how do you prevent the best way you can do it? You can't prevent it, but you can punish reckless behavior, right? So drunk drivers, you crash down on, but you don't just assume everybody's going to be going to drink and drive and tell everybody you can't go. You can't assume everybody's a threat and then lock them down because you might be reckless today. Most people aren't. Same thing. You can't just assume everybody's going to be act irrationally and then say, well, because a few people are going to, and you're probably going to that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. And even the innocent ones, because you might make a mistake or you might, you're not allowed to drive because you might be asymptomatic. You're not, nobody's allowed to go out. It's just completely, it just ignores all context. It drops the context that we talked about of human flourishing. And it, it drops the context of what, of the reality of what risk is that's inherent in all human action. So, um, I, I, I want to use an example. It was this is for probably more for Canadians, but Brian Burke uh, was on Sportsnet Tim and Sid podcast, and they the National Hockey League um, is proposing has proposed a plan to open up the playoffs. Imagine we can get the playoffs this year. That's that's crazy awesome for 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 fans like me. Yeah, and they had a vote on it, and twenty nine of the teams voted for the plan, and then two voted against it because they thought it wasn't fair, et cetera. And Brian Burke had something to say, and he had this to say. I'm going to play it for you now. But he said that the Canes didn't like the playoff format, saying, what do we grind for? Uh, for context, they were the first wild card in the East. Is he right? Is, are they, did they get screwed by this? A bunch of teams got screwed by this. Right. So here's my question for Rod Brendamore or anyone else. What is the alternative? The alternative is a stark failure to resurrect season. There's not one scenario they could draft that would be complete with all these people. And it's like I said on this show, 
this to me, the people that are whining about imperfections in the, in the system is like looking at a beautiful woman and then commenting that she's wearing ugly shoes. I don't get it. Is it fair to every team? No. Is it perfect? No. But this is someone dropped a pandemic on pro sports and the rest of the world early in March. Guess what? It's ugly shoes, man. Yeah. That's what this is, is ugly shoes. And, and teams are saying, oh, now we might have a hot goaltender. We'll beat them. Yeah. Like, for God's sake, remember what the alternative is. The alternative is we shut the league down. There is no Stanley Cup. There are no playoffs. The alternative is starve in the dark. And we've got a plan now where we get to play. A, a large number of teams gets to participate in the playoffs, which is great. I hope not going forward, but for this year is great. Like, let's focus on the positive here and not the ugly shoes. So you can see what his point is, is that this virus has been dropped on us and no solution that we have to it is going to be perfect. There's no such thing as a zero risk or zero death. So, you know, I don't like this format because it's not perfect. If that's your stance, then there's nothing to talk about because you're dropping too much context. And it's, if we go back to the cars, right? If I say, all right, I want to propose... This many, this kind of traffic laws, and this, uh, the roads are like this. The cars are improved to this level. We got this. And this. Here's what we're gonna do. And we're gonna go. And people say, you want to put tens of millions of people out on the road when there's certain injuries and fatalities to go? And I was like, yeah, I, I do. Like this is the best we've got. It can't be perfect. Like I'm going, I'm going to work. I'm going to, I'm going out. I'm going to holiday. See you later. Like we can't sit back in fear of risk that's inherent in all human action. And again, my question is to people who, who are not having this is same as Brian Burke. What is the alternative? Mm-hmm. What do you propose? And it can't be for, well, I'm just for guaranteed safety. I mean, you're for, you're for risking people's lives and I'm for the guarantee. We can't just stamp our feet and wish that it wasn't here and be like, I just wish this virus wasn't here. That's what I want. It's like, well, guess what? It's here. So mm-hmm. what are we going to do with it now? And that's why, and that's why you can't just yell at somebody who says, you know, if you want to open up the economy again, if we understand what it means, then it's, yes, I want people to pursue health, safety, life. And we have a virus to deal with now too. And what's the alternative? As he said, starve in the dark. And, mm-hmm. and that's what people have been doing. Effectively we've been snuffed out and been starving because we are, we, we're holding this this thing to a to an irrational threshold that doesn't exist in other areas of risk in our life. So when we started answering this question, I really wanted to jump in and talk about the thing, the the, the Korea uh, response to this whole thing, because I think people uh, who are listening from home are going to be listening to what you were saying and saying, "What, what do you mean, no lockdown?" Or very, or we understand that Korea was the strongest lockdown and that's why you guys got it under control and that's why everything was you know got cleared up a little bit faster or whatever so let's talk a little bit about what's really going on as opposed to what the impression of what is going on in korea yes for for weeks and weeks i've been i've been wanting to maybe share this and i thought i have a podcast i can share like what's the vision of korea what does it look like and i just kind of have avoided for certain for different different reasons and then now here I am and I think, yes, okay, I'm going to tell, I'm going to describe what it is. So again, I'm not going to be prescriptive again, saying that this is what everybody should be doing. This is what it should look like. Um, it's not the equivalent of everybody just do whatever you want. This is not what it is. But I think people do think on some level, like you mentioned, that it's, oh, Korea's, Korea's culture is such a thing that everybody obeys orders. And that's why they're doing it. And they're not crazy like Westerners. And they, they sit back, the government tells them to stay back and they stay back. They put on masks. They just all stay away. And then they've been able to kind of, you know, eradicate it in certain areas and then they kind of move very cautiously, etc. And I want to let it on and show people, I want to describe what's going on here. So again, I'm not going to say what's what to prescribe. I'm going to describe what's happening. These are facts that people have to know and have to deal with when they're trying to understand how does this thing spread? Because I think people also have an idea that it's like some kind of someone's in an area that's been infected and it's almost like radioactivity and you go near the place afterward and you might get infected and, or you go around people that have it and you're going to get infected and it's just going to be an outbreak. Um, so we have to stay away. And this is not close to what my experience is of it. And 
plus what I've heard about it as I go along and what I learn about the virus jibes with my experience all the time that it doesn't move in such and, and spread in such a, a way as to, as to, uh, you know, command, uh, lockdowns and separation, such as like such drastic separation. So what's going on in Korea? Um, the first thing to know is that there have never been lockdowns. So some government institutions definitely shut down public, you know, government schools, um, closed down. Now, some of them have gone back to school this week and some of my kids are going back to school next week. Um, so that's going back on my university, uh, to do it real quick has been on Google meet the whole semester. I've been teaching my classes on Google meet. Um, and, but that's affiliated with government stuff. Our baseball league at one point shut down some games. Um, and then we organized friendlies and played friendlies. Anyway, we got an ump to come out and she came out and did it ump ump the game and we did it. But, I think, again, they're associated with the city and somewhat, and, the, and certainly the fields are the city public uh, fields, so they close those down. Okay, fine. Some things were closed. That's true. But as far as private business were concerned, they said, you guys choose. Do what you want. So there was no lockdown in that way at all. And there weren't even strong recommendations. There was just, here's what it is. Now, what has happened? Yeah. So now, first, before that, like, let's give a few examples of places that have been open that would probably blow the minds of our Canadian and American listeners. Like for example, Starbucks or getting a haircut or gyms or I mean, what like restaurants, how many restaurants did you in your neighborhood were closed at any point? This this is exactly where I'm going and none, zero. So now a couple of them, People didn't go out the first couple of weeks. And as I said, a couple are lost. We lost a good Chinese place over here and we lost a barbecue one over here. And because people just kind of didn't go. And again, people didn't this, go. Yeah. And this counters their own choice. Yeah. This, this counters that idea that people are going to act all irrationally if they're left free, by the way. But we'll leave that for now. So restaurants have been open. And my wife and I, from, from the very start, we're going to restaurants. We have been regularly. And, what, and, and it's not just a couple people. Most we're in there and it's packed in there all the time. And the etiquette as far as masks is you kind of go in with a mask. You might sit down and then when you sit down, you take it off because you're going to eat and the servers have masks. Sometimes they don't. And then everybody in the restaurant effectively doesn't have a mask on is sitting around and just going, this is, and and the way you have to extrapolate, this is night, this is night after night in my neighborhood and then other neighborhoods times a thousand times millions of people. Korea is highly densely populated as you know, and it's just people out eating in restaurants, Starbucks, coffee shops are the same. We go in, yeah, I might order. If the guy's got a mask on, I put a mask on and order. And then I sit down. But then when I go to get my coffee, I don't have it on. I'm like, oh, you guys pick it up. Like it's, and then you, once you have it off, cause you're sitting down, then you have it off while you're in there the whole time. You don't put it up when you go to the bathroom. You just, it's like, nobody seems to be really strict about it. And there's just people all in there. Yeah. And I've seen some, some Starbucks have rearranged their seating to make it a little bit more space. They've taken out some chairs, but a lot of them I find haven't. I don't know if, but uh, in general, like uh, privately owned restaurants don't have, like you're talking about in the U.S. when they reopen restaurants, the idea of you have to take out like half your tables or whatever, or three quarters of your tables to make sure that there's this much space between each table. That's not happening. So if you have the idea of, oh, the restaurants are open, but like they're this far apart. No, like you're sitting right next to. I was sitting right next to dudes. And, and I, and I may, I gonna, I think I'm going to show a clip of one of them, an example, but we'll hopefully I'll get that. Uh, But I don't want to promise. It's like the sounds and everything. Um, but anyway, well, but I mean, that's just the story. They're right next to you. There's a table of people right next to you. They have not changed. I've not seen anybody rearrange. I didn't know Starbucks was doing that, but there you go. That's people may, you can do it, right? Yeah. Um, coffee house have all been the same. Um, I've been to friends' houses for barbecues. I've had friends over here, friends staying overnight, just like regular. Uh, we hosted a birthday party several weeks ago for my wife's friend. We had the two and a half couples over. One, one wife didn't come and we were out at the restaurant, this small little place that we always go sitting at a table. There was like five tables in this small place, like 18 people in there, just loud and constantly people turning in and out of that restaurant all night. Then we came back to the house at the table, a bunch of food and stuff going on, cake, pictures, photos in front of the thing my wife set up. And it was just, you know, it was a big, it was a just regular thing. Now it is true. When we met, we weren't hugging and, and, uh, you know, shaking hands as we knew when we usually first meet, 
but that was about it. Right. Um, there was that, uh, I, you mentioned haircuts. I've had my haircut twice in the, in the past couple of months. Um, the gyms, I'll tell you about my gym, my gym. Um, I just didn't go for a while at the very beginning. And that was again, my choice. I just kind of thought, well, I just certainly the first couple of weeks. Um, and then I, I, after that, I just like, I'm still not interested in going. I can go outside. I go running, do some pushups and pull up stuff outside and whatnot. And I just had fun. So I went back several weeks ago and then the owner, I learned from him, uh, he was there today and he said he had been closed for a week and I was just on their own. Again, it's all about various gyms do their own, follow their own policies. They had been closed for a week and that was it. Now, when I go to the gym and I see uh, the guy, the guy's in there and he's working out and he's got a mask on, I put mine on and work out with my mask on. But um, if nobody has it on, I don't. And from the most part in the last few, three or four weeks, I go in and a few ladies are there, no mask. So I just, no mask, go. And we've just been going to the, and the coach. He's, he's doing, the owner guy's doing one-on-one training, personal training with the woman and he's, they, they're not wearing masks. So they're just in the gym. Now your gym was different. What did you guys do? I, so my gym, and I think this was like a government recommendation. They like during that, that period of, of somewhat of a, I don't know if it was a lockdown or, or extra care where, you know, they're saying, okay, we're going to be paying extra attention. And then they had the recommendations for health clubs were to have like a, 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 a maximum number of people at the same time was one thing. Wearing masks while working out was another thing. And then the temperature check was another thing. So my gym, I think it might, maybe it's because like they, the, they were worried that they would maybe get inspected from, from whatever government to see if they were following these kind of suggestions or rules or whatever. So for a period of time, when we got there, sign in and then, uh, and then they had, they got one of those heat checking cameras to see if you you had a fever or not. And, uh, and then, everybody was wearing their mask while working out. So that happened for a little while. And then when they kind of loosened things up a little bit, I guess around the beginning of May, was it? End of April, beginning of May. Then uh, they stopped doing the temperature checks and stopped, people stopped kind of checking in. And I've even noticed like in the last couple of weeks, people, a lot of people stopped wearing masks. Like you said, some, a lot of people now, I'm like the only guy in there. I feel bad or something. I don't know. I, I used to be no mask guy, but now I'm like mask everywhere guy. But uh, I, I still wear my mask or I have it and it's whatever you do the, around the chin thing. It's just like some, almost like an etiquette thing now anyway, but now it's just kind of just normal. So it was a little bit strict as to let's follow these rules for a little bit, but they never shut down and they did kind of try to say, okay, let's follow these rules. But in, people in general, you know, seem to be some wearing masks, some not, and, but it's just business as usual for the most part. Oh, yes. and they didn't do, sorry, for, for a short time, uh, like uh, standard in Korean gyms is to provide uh, like workout clothes, t-shirt and shorts and, and towels. But for a little while, they stopped doing that. They said, you have to bring your own stuff, which I always bring my own stuff anyway. But, Me too. Uh, but, they did, but they did stop that for a little while as part of that, part of that campaign. That's well, there you go. And I, you know, and I had another student, my university student said that his, his gym was cl- is closed or something. And I wonder where he lives, probably lives in Seoul. And that just shows you a couple of things, right? Your gym is in a busy, busy area, right? My gym, I'm in the suburbs. It's pretty quiet. There's only ever a few people in there anyway. So again, this just shows you the idea of why freedom is so important because people can make policies according to their own circumstance, according to the number of clients they have, who their clientele is and what they demand and what they're afraid of and what they're not and what they're willing to put up with, what they're not, um, according to their own needs, as far as the, their, their financial stress on the thing that like they need to stay open or not, if they can survive it longer, there's all kinds of factors that go into it. And when the government says you can't go anywhere or you can't, this is what you got to do. And everybody has to follow it regardless of they're in Seoul or in a country, in the countryside, right? It doesn't make sense like to, to put a blanket things. And this is whatever the government decide is necessarily suboptimal for some people, right? For, uh, overall. But what's yeah. when, when people make various choices, it becomes cl- as close to optimal as you can get because individuals are making choices based on their own circumstances. This is what freedom looks like. So I think that's a great point in the gyms. Yeah. Freedom. I mean, this is a very, a local, a local thing. Now this is a local thing. There's a, a popular song called Itaewon Freedom was this uh, local pop song, Itaewon, uh, for those outside of Korea. And I, I don't know if I'm cutting you off, if you have yeah. something else to talk about on that. But I think you can roll it into this whole Korea idea. But let's talk about Itaewon is this uh, 
it used to be kind of the, the, the big area where uh, non-Koreans would hang out, foreigners would hang out. And, but now it's become a pretty much a hangout for everybody. But it's kind of like a, a nightlife area. Lots of restaurants, lots of clubs, lots of bars. And uh, recently there was a, a case of uh, somebody went to a club or several clubs and was positive for coronavirus. And then they ended up finding that uh, that person spread to however many people there may be like if they – extrapolate from this person to that person to that person is like a hundred and some cases or up to, I don't know, several, like maybe 150 cases or whatever that they kind of link back to that guy who was at the Itaewon club. So the idea here is, uh Oh, time to shut down. This kind of stuff is dangerous. We got to shut her down. What do you yes. say about that? What do I say about the Itaewon case? Um, I think I want to put the Itaewon case on the burner for a sec, if I can, just because I, cause I think there's a lot more to lay out as to what Korea looks like before this case happened, I guess, in, in effect, and what it still looks like. So I want, to, I want to get that. It's very important. So we'll make sure we do that. I do want to throw out a few more things. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess the two more things I'll, I'll bring up then are just my own home private lessons and mm-hmm. some other point about Korean culture. So okay. I... Um, my my wife and I uh, have private lessons in our home. So kids come like after school from in the afternoon to evening. And at the very beginning, it was pretty much for a couple of weeks. It was basically, okay, we're not having classes this week or maybe next week parent. We're just, everybody's hanging out and seeing what's going on. And we all felt like that kind of in general. Now, of course, with the free and my university was postponed too. So actually what did my wife do? Well, of course we stayed. No, we went on holiday. We said, let's go to the East coast and we stayed in the hotel and People were doing it right, but uh, but we, we took advantage of that time. But uh, but it was start, starting to be a little pressure on us. And then after that, we kind of opened up a couple of little um, online ones for a couple of students for short times, just to kind of keep them keep them going and for free. And then it wasn't long after that that the local ones, ones who live right around here and can walk, they just came started coming over. Their parents were sending them. But the ones who lived in in other cities that drive them in, they were kind of, I think partly because of just everything is a little overwhelming. They didn't really want to get out on the road and just be out there. And so they took like a little extra more extra time. So, um, and then we started doing online classes with them for, you know, for partial classes, partial pay and all that. And then um, it wasn't long though, certainly as for the past five or six weeks, we've had kids in our house. So they're just, classes are back on, back on schedule and we've actually added a couple new classes. So we're back to kind of full, full uh, operation and all that. And what I want to bring this up, I want to emphasize this because this is not just someone like me who thinks, well, I think it's nothing wrong and I'm a healthy guy and all that. So I don't care. And I'm going out and doing whatever. These are parents sending their kids to a, not a stranger's house, but like a person that's not part of their family, et cetera. I mean, they're just, they're sending their kids out. Parents believe this is not a risky behavior to send their kids. They think it's worse to hold back and not have them pursue their, their classes with us. They right? feel that's riskier. Yeah. They feel that's riskier. And it's like, and of course they also have seen what's been going on in Korea for a long time, which, which encourages them. And they start to understand, Oh, this is not quite how some people characterize it. It's there's, it's just not what, People think it's not going to spread the way people think just from being in a room with somebody. So they've been sending their kids. And I think that's very important. And I, what I ask myself is what if it had been illegal to do that? And if it were illegal to do that, they would have suffered because they wouldn't have got what they want. We would have suffered because our income would have suffered, taken a big hit and people go, Oh, boohoo. Well, yeah, it's okay. Lucky for us, we might've been able to sustain it, but a lot of people can't. And as you go along up the, up the chain, it gets to be more and more pressure. And you see that happening at home. It's starting to hit the kind of middle range people. And that's why we're starting to open up the economy a bit. Whereas at the beginning, people were crying and screaming for it. And we were like, Oh, just, just uh, stay home a bit and work from home. And you know, and all that stuff. And I was crying out at that time, like this is people's lives. Now people are feeling the pressure and we're starting to like go, well, we should have to find certain ways to open up. So let's do this and that, but it's still too much of the, the government blocking us from making rational choices that, that we might, that we might make depending on our, according to our own circumstances. And I find that the big crushing thing. As far as Korea, one more thing. We talk about these restaurants. We talk about everybody just going around, out and about, shopping in shopping malls, out at every, just do regular, living regular life. And people might bring in, well, again, Korean culture, they're just a little more polite than foreigners. And we, I don't trust Westerners, people at home, because they're just going to do whatever. You know, again, 
sneezing in people's faces and acting too, you know, just being too reckless. And I'm like, I think you can know this, that Korean as far as hygiene is not necessarily the most hygienic country as compared to our standards at home. So people, when we were out eating at these restaurants, we're not just eating, we're like sharing bowls of soup, like eating out of the same soup bowl. I'm doing this with people who come from like a company. I barely met them. Oh, hi, nice to meet you. I'll be eating out of the same soup bowl as them. We're picking off the same salad plate. Everybody is off the same, all the dishes. Like that's not what people would recommend if you are going to open back up and go to restaurants, but that's how we've been doing it. So it's not just we're there and we're close to everybody and we're out wearing masks. We're eating off the same dishes. And then as far as bathrooms, you know, I mean, there's been a big push and I don't want to disparage Korea in any way ever because it's the place that I, that I love to live and, and it makes my life awesome to live here. But, um, and there has been a huge campaign, a deliberate campaign to improve bathroom culture, but bathrooms typically are not in the restaurant where in the restaurant itself, they're so densely populated here that restaurants are part in a building and then they share a communal bathroom in the building and you leave to get up, you go outside and go in the hallway into the building and you go into the communal bathroom and it's typically not very good. Um, it's pretty disgusting a lot of the time. Would you? And uh, the, the idea of having hot water, soap and something to dry your hands off with are also not necessarily there. And I'll give you a quick one on my gym. So during the kind of the, <laughs> during the kind of heavy, heavy, well, like when things were getting real serious, uh, and before there was no soap in the gym, usually, or soap in the, in the bathroom at the gym, right? And it's the same idea of yours. We go outside the gym. It's like everybody on that same floor, which is only a couple of businesses share the bathroom, but there was never used to be any soap in there during the, the, the kind of the focused period, uh, they started having the gym put a uh, thing, pump soap, but water is still cold water and no, there's not even a dryer or anything in there to dry off. You just like wipe off yourself. Right. And then, but once they loosened up the, uh, the, the rules a little bit, uh, the soap disappeared. So we're back to no soap, in the, no soap in the bathroom. Yeah. So typically at these restaurants, I go there and there's no pump soap. And if there is soap, it's usually this horrible bar of soap that I am not touching. Right. And if there is any, and that's usually gone soon anyway. So, so the idea that Koreans are just so prop, prim and proper and all that. And of course their own, the, the behavior, like a lot of the time, there's a lot of hawking and spitting on the street and stuff like that. That kind of turns a lot of foreigners off. And again, you know, people are doing different things. Like I've been teaching kids a lot over the years to like, you no, know, you got to, sneeze in your sleeve and stuff. This is pre-pandemic over years, but they just kind of cough and sneeze in places. So they're just not as aware as the stuff. Now hygiene is, they're hyper aware now and people are practicing a lot more hygienic behaviors. But I'm just saying that this is not, I mean, this is like on top of all what I'm talking about, this is also true as far as culture. So I don't want to buy this argument that Korean culture is what's keeping them from something. Now, as far as Korean culture, it is true that they were well prepared for the pandemic. They had great testing in the beginning. But it's not just the testing that's keeping me safe. It's, you know, I mean, it, it's also the great information they share. So when there is a, a, a bunch of cases in Itaewon or at another place, they put out that information and then they say where the person had been. So people kind of go, oh, we were th-. like, so if there was one over here, say there wasn't. But there, if there was, we would say, oh, me and my wife would go, where have we been? We were there. We might want to hang back a few days. And in fact, one of my students recently, her, her and her daughter had been at uh, – at uh, the had been at somewhere where there was a case and then they just kind of held back and they didn't come that week. And we did an, on, an online class. And then, so, but now they're back. Now she's back. So it's like, that's the kind of stuff that's been, ha- been happening. Yeah. Now, and that gives me, uh, it leads me to something that I don't know if this is, uh, I'm going a little bit off the track here, but when you're talking about things that uh, Koreans are doing well to deal with this and uh, as far as quickly jumping on things there is the mask topic which I'm curious to know uh, if I can ask you now or if you want to hold on to that one for later but but it does uh, make me think you know the the as far as things that happened early masks were everywhere like from day one and I'm okay. curious as to what you think about that and, and what what's going on with the masks. Yeah. The mass is a big issue. Um, again, I think now it's all good. Everything's out on the table and I'm going to shuffle it. I'm going to put mass to the end and I'm going to take mm-hmm. on your Itaewon. And, yeah. and I, and I want to include in that the coupon one, if you know yes. about, remember about that. So these two cases, right? The, the coupon, coupon one, I mean, just yeah. to give a quick one, like the coupon case is coupon is like the, the Amazon 
com of Korea. It's one of the biggest like online sellers. And then one of their logistics uh, uh, warehouses got uh, had a case and it spread to, I don't know, there's maybe like a hundred and hundred plus now who were somehow connected to that logistics center uh, case. So mm-hmm. just for people who don't know what coupon is, it's like an Amazon yeah. logistics center and there's been some cases there. All right. I call it Amazon on roids because it's like, it's yep. just, it's, yeah, it's, it's awesome. just fast as crazy stuff. And we use it, we use it almost daily. We get boxes from coupon. Um, so I think these cases again, like now it, again, it almost took me back for a bit. Like I was just like, okay, so there's a case now and it's like, but then I caught myself. That's because I was thinking from this idea of if there are cases, then we shouldn't be, be going out because it's like there's cases and that's what's going to happen. And I was kind of like, how do you answer this? And I was like, ah, you know, but I was like, no, wait, no, this just shows again how important freedom is. It show rather than, than prove, oh, see, we need lockdowns, right? Mm-hmm. If you let people out, then they're going to, this, this is going to happen. So we have to wait till it, till, till, it dawn, till it calms down and then we can go out. And there's, there's a lot that disproves this. And I, and I, and I know if people think I'm making a caricature out of this idea of, oh, it's about eliminating things at all costs and zero cases and all that. They're like, that's not what I think. But I mean, I've seen, there was a cartoon that was widely shared uh, over a month ago. I remember seeing, and it was like this, the virus, the cartoon virus was in a bunker hiding out. And then the guys on the other side were up there going, well, it looks like the coast is clear. I guess we can go out, right? And then the implication was that if you're a person who thinks you can open up the economy, just go out now because it's safe, you're an idiot because look, the virus is still out there. And nobody's, I mean, I'm not on this path that we have to eradicate it or they have to wait till there's a vaccine before we move. Because even with a vaccine, you're not going to eliminate the thing. The thing is here. And there's, you know, there's going to be a second wave. This stuff is important to talk about because we're going to see how are we going to deal with it the second time through, which is coming. I mean, to the extent that there's how big it's going to be or whatever. Something's coming. This thing is not going away. We're not going to eliminate it and before we can move. So now these, these cases here are very key because, again, what people would think is, see, I guess the guy went out clubbing and he infected everybody. But we have to understand this context. It wasn't like they shut the clubs down and then they finally, after a couple of months, said, okay, we're going to open them up. And then a guy went out and that night, cases broke out. They were open. Yeah. <laughs> they were open for months and months. Clubs, bars, restaurants. I've been trying to explain to you this picture of what's been going on here. And then a sick guy, he was, the story is as far as I understand, I'll just give you a couple of details. He was sick and he was feeling sicker as he kept going out in the night. He's sweating up and clubbing up with people. He went to this uh, one detail, which is, excuse me for this, but he went to one of the, it's very relevant. He went to one of these uh, like sex dens or something and where they, they just, it's all dark and they put a phone or flash a phone on the guy's face. And if you like what you see, you have a go. And I don't know how to put that less vulgar than that because it's a vulgar place. That's what was causing the spread. I mean, that's part of it. And then people who were around D. Taiwan had to go, well, I was around that area and I'm going to lay back and be cool and not going to go out anywhere because I don't know how close I was to this guy or whatever. But it's because he's actually getting close to people. He's doing stuff. So it was a, that kind of situation on top of the other thing. Right. And then the coupon one is the same thing. It's not like coupon said, we're shut down operations. Everybody in Korea was shutting down operations. Okay. We're going to gradually open our warehouse and then they did, and then they got an outbreak. No, it's been open. They've been operating daily. We've been getting boxes daily. They're all out company after company after company all over Korea working full capacity. And then somebody who was sick went and then the people didn't practice, you know, particular, uh, you know, protective uh, practices, right? So, then you have these cases. Now you get these cases and then what happens is people who are around there shut down and kind of not shut down, but they kind of hold back and say, okay, we have to be careful now. And that's proper. Like if there's a case right here, I'm going to hold back. But that there's a case in Bhutan doesn't mean that I should stop going to the gym and stop going out and stop doing things. And this thing here, like this, this, this speaks to this kind of, this other thing people say, but you know, what about these, you know, vulnerable people, right? Uh, well, as I said, it, it just proves people are acting irrationally. Under freedom here, we've been doing very well. And we've had these cases when people do act irresponsibly. And what do you do about that? You, to the extent they were, you know, knowingly or reckless, being reckless, you punish them to that extent, right? Drunk driving versus an accident, right? Or murder versus, you know, involuntary something, right? So, but you can do that. 
and that's all you can do. Law can do that. We can't stop people. And, and I'll get into that in a minute. But, but as far as the vulnerable, I want to make a point here. People say, well, what about these people who are more, more vulnerable? Well, you, they have to protect themselves more. I have to protect myself less because I don't feel as vulnerable. People who are very vulnerable hold back more. And it doesn't protect the vulnerable that the healthy do not go out and pursue economic activity. In fact, it hurts the vulnerable more because what the vulnerable need is a thriving economy. We've seen how much of safety and health is a function of wealth and a thriving economy and and people focused on solutions and medical treatment and access to food and access to remote things that things that they need we can bring to them so we can we can serve the vulnerable more by having a thriving economy and to the extent we don't have that they're hurt they're hurt they're the first victims of it is what i say so um i guess the uh the last thing was masks as you said right okay Masks. So this thing here too. Now people will say, why do I care what he thinks about masks? He's not an expert. He doesn't know anything about it. That's true. But I'm here not putting out, I haven't put out anything to do with much to do with science today. I'm thinking about how to think about it and what freedom looks like. And as far as I understand about masks, I'll put out for what it's worth. I understand that in some contexts it can promote uh, promote safety in some certain contexts. I've also heard a lot of stuff that it's a net detriment to wear a mask because uh, because if you wear it for long periods of time, because you can get uh, suffocate yourself and get breathing problems, immunity problems, you get the virus on there and you're exposed to higher doses of it. Well, you could say whatever you want about it, right? Okay, but let's say no. But all I'm saying is, yeah, yeah. so so that that's the thing. So you might believe that and go, "This is true." Look at this article I read from this expert. That's what there's there's doctors saying this, and then say, "Well, people say masks do this." Some people say masks are useless, and then here's what they. So again, what is the solution? It's freedom. It's freedom to choose what I want to do. Right? I want to. I, if I believe that it's going to hurt me more to wear a mask for long periods of time, then I don't have to wear it. Right now. What, how, what does it look like? When I go to somewhere and my gym says you got to wear a mask to come in here, then I got to put it on. If a grocery store says you got to wear it to come shop here, you got to put it on. It's a shopping mall. People can decide whatever they want. And then I say, I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not going in there. Don't go in. You know, if someone says you don't have to wear a mask here, I'm not going in that crazy place. Don't do it. And guess what? Businesses will respond. They will respond to what people think is right. Now you go, well, what about just going out and you're endangering everybody. Well, again, I'm not going to go near somebody who doesn't want me like in their home, if that's their policy in their store, if that's their policy. And what about just out and about on the street? Well, outside, I mean, I, that is definitely the place where a mask is very uh, unnecessary. And, and certainly you can stay away from somebody outside. I mean, there's no real issue there, but what I'm saying is when the government imposes it, let's, let's suppose that, that the, that the experts that, that say that, that, and, and there were a lot, there were like seven to eight reasons listed why a mask is like, it's like, you know, putting a Petri dish on your face or something. I don't know how much that makes any sense, but look, what if I believe that now the government says I have to wear a mask. Let's say that we, that they chose that one. And then in the end, a lot of people get respiratory uh, diseases because they've been suffocating under a mask for like eight hours a day or something. Right. Okay. So then they come back and go, well, we were just acting on the best science at the time. So what are we supposed to do? That's no good. That's okay for an individual to say, for me to go, I was acting on the best science and then I got sick and I wished I didn't know, or I wore a mask or I didn't wear a mask and then I got sick and I was, but that the government imposes on everybody, then we don't get to choose. If you think something's healthy, you should be free to pursue your idea of what your flourishing requires, including your own health. You, nobody tells me what is healthy and imposes on me. I mean, Look at the government food pyramid that caused an obesity epidemic, right? I mean, this is the kind of thing that can happen. So the mask issue is very simple for me. It's freedom. It's freedom. And then these debates don't seem so life and death because it's not like people are like, people are upset because you're trying to force me to do this thing that I think is no unhealthy and you're trying to enforce me to do this thing that's unhealthy. And we, it becomes an, a real anger because people are scared of getting forced upon. And that's one of the big problems anyway, because we've, we've got the, the government so powerful now and has shown us that they can really shut our lives down and squelch us at any, at any excuse they kind of see fit. And that's why people are so upset in politics and, and issues like this, because they, they feel like the thing that I think is right 
if the thing that I think is wrong could be imposed upon me because everybody, that's why they're so worried about who's in power because they have so much power. And I'm just like, man, you know, it's freedom. Freedom is good for our life, especially in a pandemic. So, um, so for mass, you're basically saying it's not an idea. It's not, uh, are they useful? Are they not? Have they helped in Korea? Have they not? Your main point there is, uh, it should be a choice as to whether or not you want to wear a mask. And if an individual business has a policy of only masks are allowed in the store, fine. Or if they have a policy of no masks allowed in this store, fine. Also, you can choose to go or not go based on that. That's right. And, and yeah. so that's how you, you, you protect yourself from other people who are not following what you think is right. So, yeah. and also it also shows us, um, what are, it shows us what, what are good ideas because some people are, are doing one thing while other people are doing another and another business is doing another and other people are doing this. And then you start to see examples and go, Hey, that seems okay. Why don't we try that? And they adopt the most effective policies. And, th- and in this way we get standards that are, that are optimal. And when a government just sets a standard, it's necessarily suboptimal. So, so we, we can adopt the best practices of, as people demonstrate to us, what is safest, what is the best, um, etc. So, so we're not going to get into whether or not we think the masks are effective or not. That's not I'm, the. That's not exactly the. That's not the the point of this of this particular episode. That's not the point. If you you can go ahead and, and share information because again, that's what I'm saying here too, right? Um, we what we can do now is if we are focused on human flourishing, then we can now our conversation can be about trying to share information and help people make better decisions rather than mm-hmm. trying to force what I think on somebody. Right? They can be about trying to empower people. Let me uh, let me spring one on you here. Let me spring one on you. So as we were talking, I got this, which everybody can read at home, I'm sure. That is a public safety alert, they call it. And we frequently get these messages. Sometimes it's just kind of useless stuff. But a lot of them are like this one here is giving me the information that some guy in his 60s who lives in blah, blah, blah area uh, tested positive. He's number 77 in this string of whatever tested positive in some area. And then if you go to, you can find out exactly where he went. He went here, 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 here on this day from this time to this time. And uh, uh, in, uh, in addition to this, there's been a recent suggestion that there are t- a testing thing that they're doing now. Uh, they're trying to require some high-risk places like a club, for example, to use a QR code system so that when you go into this club that uh, you have to scan your phone so they want to know where people are going. and uh, and a better way to track in case there was an outbreak at that club so that they know who had been there, uh, that kind of thing. Now, the, 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 the question, and we didn't talk about this before, but I'm curious what you think of, I guess, the privacy versus non-privacy issue. And I think we could say in Korea that the, the, the privacy, uh, people seem to have been pretty cool about giving it up as far as, you know, giving up, the the privacy like in that Itaewon club situation uh i was surprised i was looking at some information i was surprised to find out that uh using the cell phone towers they knew exactly who had been in that area at that time like they like every like if you were even if you used your phone or not basically if you were in that kind of area your phone pings the cell tower right and so they knew based on that every person who had been in that area at that time uh, uh, during that, during that period of time of when the, when the, the virus is spread in that, in that club. So this is the kind of, I, I feel like in back in the West, people would be going crazy. Like they're basically being tracked. Right. So I'm curious as to what you think, about the privacy, the tracking, the sharing of information. Of course, they're trying to say, you know, we'll be anonymous and we're not going to say who you are and that, but there's a lot of tracking going on. Uh, yeah. I'm curious if you have any, any opinion on, on that. 
Well, it's, uh, it's very fresh to me and it's kind of a little overwhelming, but I will say that immediately it did occur to me that the anonymity was, was an issue and I would, don't think there's anything wrong to say that a such and such a person was at this place. And you don't mm-hmm. think, I mean, I don't know what age, you necessarily have to say what age he is even, but just say that where someone was. There's nothing wrong with that kind of information. But again, how did they even get to the point where they can get that information? That mm-hmm. is kind of, um, uh, uh, I don't know. I guess though, if people have given up their information voluntarily somehow. I don't know how they got to that point. Like, like if people so said, I think okay, in, I don't in, mind. In the case, yeah. In this, in this situation, probably when somebody tests positive, they go and they ask, like they want a record of where have you been? Where have you been? And people give it. And I don't know if that's under duress or not. Like, I don't know what the, what the, if they say, no, I'm not telling you where I went, what the next step is there. I'm not sure what that is, but that is, you know, I think people generally tell them where they've been. So there's mm-hmm. that, but then there's the other one is basically, I think like, I've noticed even on my phone on those notices, if I go to a different area, I get different notices about what's happening in that area. So if I'm in Seoul, I'll get a notice saying, oh, somebody in this area tested positive or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I feel like they know where I'm at, you know? Okay. There's there's those two two different ways. I mean, there's there's the voluntary or, or somewhat or assumed voluntary giving up of information. And then there's the, you know, there's some pretty pretty detailed tracking going on of where people are at and they want to perhaps track more. Yeah. See, I mean, obviously if you know, you know where I'm, where I'm coming from all the time, I'm more suspicious of government having more power um, yep. on at people in an in intrusion in people's lives. So, um, but I, I'd like to know a lot more details about it. Yeah. Just really see what's going on and what is, what is their rationale for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to the, cause they do have a role in protecting Safety. To the, that's the government's only role, in my view, is to protect people's individual rights, and that's protect people from legitimate threats, foreign, domestic, etc., and to arbitrate disputes, etc. So, um, to what extent? To how much equipment do they need to do that? Right, mm-hmm. yep. either militarily and or technologically. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a big question. But at least I can say that I start from that premise, and if if they can prove that this is necessary or optimizes securing my rights while not infringing on them, then that's where I'm looking at it from. But I would need to hear some arguments about yeah. it. And then, and I yeah. would certainly be able to judge them, but, but I don't have the good arguments right now. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say here, um, if, as far as closing up this thing, cause I, I don't know how we're doing for time here, mm-hmm. but I, I want to conclude by saying in the end, as far as this pandemic concerned in the end, anywhere, you can't have guaranteed safety. That's not a rational standard. I said earlier, someone could jump up and murder me today, right? But we prosecute those people, right? Um, If someone's hawking and sneezing all over the place and getting people sick, just really really reckless, we can prosecute them to the, you know, under rational, uh, you know, laws and be clear about what is evidence and all that stuff. So, but it's just not a threat to be outside and around people. It's not a threat to go out and go out and about as we can see from this example. So I hope the Korean example does for people at least, at least let them know that, oh, it's not quite as I imagined that if you just kind of go out, it's very quickly that you get near people and stuff spreads in that way. Mm-hmm. You have to inform yourself more on how does it spread? How much of an issue is dose, which as I've learned is the key issue. Um, and then how difficult is it for it to get from here to here and at what and again at what dose and what are other factors that that to help you protect yourself so laws don't guarantee safety they can only they're the best thing we have because you prosecute people after the fact but when you do regulations and preventive actions they can only thwart human action that's all they're able to do it's all they're good for and thwarting human action is thwarting the economy which is thwarting life so I'm going to say to the, to the listeners, if you have questions, and I know you guys do, then you can send them to matthew.asknow at gmail.com. Maybe even better is go to the Facebook page, Mr. Brightside Facebook page, facebook.com slash matthewbolton.ca, and maybe we can start a conversation there, at least get some questions out and see what we can do. But please remember, it's not helpful to just yell and say that I'm, you know, whatever, I'm trying to endanger everybody. You have to be very clear if you're going to come on to what your standard is. Is your standard to optimize human flourishing, including health and safety as a, as a, a part of that? Or is it about eliminating the virus? Because if it's about eliminating the virus, there's really not that much to talk about. 
If you're for optimizing human flourishing, then that's a framework within which we can have a constructive conversation. So, um, you know, adopting that, that second framework, the, that one, we can try to discuss clear solutions. And as I said earlier, it becomes more about trying to share information and empower people to understand this thing and to make better choices individually um, instead of us feeling like we're just trying to force our ideas on everybody. And that's kind of what I, I did say earlier. I just, I think people are so fearful and angry about it. Ang- they're angry because they're fearful because of the amount of power that we've seen that government has to control our lives. And that's why people feel so passionate about it that I'm scared that if, you know, those people get, get a handle of this power, it's going to, you know, stifle me and I want to impose mine. And it's like the answer to this again is freedom. And I think freedom is so essential in dealing with any of these kind of issues. And especially in a pandemic, freedom is, is more paramount. Uh, than ever. So I'm going to say thanks very much, JC, for uh, helping me keep this on the rails. Because um, to the extent uh, I was able to keep someone on the rails. But uh, thanks very much for taking time out of your day because uh, I know you're busy. It's good. It's good. Gave me a lot of stuff to think about too. And I might be on the uh, Facebook page asking and maybe answering some questions myself. So it was a good use of my time. All right. Well, thanks again. And to everybody else, I'll just say uh, cheers to your health and your flourishing. And I'll see you guys next time. Mr. Brightside, your time out to refresh, refuel, and refocus your mind and energy toward building an optimistic framework for flourishing. Life is good. It's up to you to choose the bright side.